0: Well, good morning, Woodville family. It's my honor again to greet you from our home to your home. And a huge shout-out welcome to all of our guests across the nation of Canada and around the world that have joined in today. Well, today we're going to begin a three-part sermon series that we're calling Encounter. And for three Sundays, I want to talk to you about encountering Holy Spirit, my spiritual BFF. And I want to declare to you that the Holy Spirit wants to have a vibrant, life-giving relationship and connection with you. Here's where we're going in these three weeks. Today, in encounter number one, we're going to zero in on the Holy Spirit in you. Next Sunday, we're going to zero in on the Holy Spirit through you. And then in the final message on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to explore the theme of the Holy Spirit on you. So I want you to get your Bible out and turn with me to John chapter 20, verse 19, down to verse 23. This is our text. And I want to give you today five keys about the Holy Spirit in you. We're going to camp mainly on point number four. We're going to briefly touch one, two, three, and five. We're going to spend most of our time on point number four. But let me give you number one. The first key to understanding the Holy Spirit in you, number one, you must embrace his peace. Number one, embrace his peace. I want to take you to verse number 19. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. The first thing I want you to notice, this was the first day of the week. You ever notice that we celebrate church on a Sunday, not a Saturday? The Saturday's the Sabbath. Sunday is the resurrection day. Well, the Sabbath looks back and commemorates the finished work of creation. Jesus created things in six days and then he rested on the seventh day. So the Sabbath looks back and commemorates the finished work of creation. But Sunday... Resurrection Day commemorates the finished work of the new creation. And on this first Easter Sunday, the disciples are locked in this room for fear of the Jewish leaders. They had locked the outer gate door, they had locked the door to the place they're in, and they had now locked themselves in a room. We know Thomas wasn't there, Judas wasn't there, but the disciples were huddled together in fear of the Jewish leaders. They were afraid because Jesus was considered a revolutionary and they had crucified him. And now they would go after the disciples, the followers of the revolutionary. In fact, when they went to the tomb early that day, the tomb was empty. And there's people who thought that somebody had stolen the body. Who would they suspect stole the body? The disciples. So they're standing in this room, huddled together in great fear. And Jesus in his resurrected body breaks through the barriers of fear and stands in their midst and says, peace be with you. Here I am. I'm the peace and I'm with you. I want you to note today that peace is not the absence of something. Peace is the presence of someone. I don't know what you're walking through today, but fear not. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of someone, and his name is Jesus. The second truth, the second key about understanding the Holy Spirit in you, number two, we must learn to examine his proof. I want to take you now to verse number 20. It reads, After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, And the Bible says that the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus is standing amongst them and he shows them the proof that he's alive. Look at my hands, look at my side, this is me. You ever wondered when the disciples were really truly saved? Well, let's talk for a moment about the Old Testament saints like Moses, Abraham, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, you name them. They had a saving faith in God in the sense that they were looking ahead with anticipation to the future work of redemption on the cross. But you and I, I invited Jesus Christ as a young boy, if we're saved today, we're not anticipating a future work of redemption of the cross, no. We have accepted by faith in our hearts the finished work of the redemption of the cross. We've accepted and believed that God raised Jesus to life and Jesus died for our sins. And the disciples that day were standing in front of Jesus and they accepted by faith as they saw him that Jesus was raised to life. The proof was in front of them. The third thing I want to share with you, number three, for us to understand a key to understanding the Holy Spirit in us, we must, number three, engage his purpose. Number three, engage his purpose. It tells us in verse 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. This is the second time Jesus said, Peace be with you. The first time he said, Peace be with you to calm the fears of the disciples. But The second time he said, Peace be with you was to prepare them for the mission that he was calling them to. You see, friends, when you got saved, you were saved from something for something. You were saved from your sins, and you were saved for a purpose, and it's a great purpose, and it's to share the love of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus that day said to his disciples, "'Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, "'I'm sending you.'" In other words, to the same degree that God the Father sent Jesus, to the same degree Jesus is sending you and I, and he has a great purpose for us, and it's to share the love of Jesus. Well, I wanna take you to number four, and this is the heart of the message. This is what we really wanna slow down and explore, and number four, write this in your notes, the fourth key to understanding the Holy Spirit in you. Number four, you must experience his presence. Number four, experience his presence. I wanna take you to verse number 22, it's a key verse. It says here in verse 22, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Bible scholars have called this moment different names. Some have called it the Johannine Pentecost. Some have called it the Insufflation. Some have called it the Afflation, but something happened here. It tells us here, and with that, well, after what and with what? Well, Jesus showed up, said to the disciples, uh, don't be afraid, I'm with you. And then he showed them his hands and his sides. And then, and then, he, and then he said, as the Father sent me, I send you. And then it says he, he breathed on them. I want to point out to you, this wasn't referring to a natural breathing on them. It's referring to a supernatural breathing on them. Something supernatural to place. I studied this verse in the original Greek, and it's an interesting Greek word that can be translated, he, he breathed or he blew supernaturally on them. But more accurate to the true Greek word is not that he breathed on us, into them. Supernaturally, Jesus breathed into them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to point out to you that he didn't breathe into them something. No, he breathed into them someone. And the someone was the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what happened in this moment: the disciples who were saved, now in the sense that they had accepted the finished work of redemption, when they saw Jesus there, hands side, they accepted him. They were overjoyed. Now they became truly born again because when you accept Jesus into your life, into your life, He then supernaturally places the Holy Spirit in you. Just like he did for these disciples, he breathed supernaturally into them the Holy Spirit. He breathed out supernaturally and they breathed in supernaturally. Here's what happened in John chapter 20. The disciples experienced the Holy Spirit in them. They experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. Now, how's that difference from Acts chapter 2? Well, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples in that upper room, after they've been waiting 10 days, experienced the power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit on them. John 20, the presence of the Spirit in them. Acts 2, the power of the Spirit on them. In John chapter 20, the Spirit indwelt them. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit empowered them. In John chapter 20, the Holy Spirit took residence in them. In Acts chapter two, the Spirit empowered them for the work of ministry. My friends, before you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit on you, you must first experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. And so for a few moments today, I wanna take you into the gospel of John and I wanna read you John's teaching on the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling really Zoomed out. Anybody tired of Zoom meetings? I spend most of my day in Zoom meetings. We're all doing Zoom meetings. It's like the Brady Bunch on your screen. And as you're doing a Zoom meeting, have you ever noticed there's always at least one person who forgets to take their volume off of mute? and you see their lips moving, but you don't hear words coming out and someone's chatting to them, unmute your mic. Well, my concern is you and I, who now, who are born again with the Holy Spirit supernaturally in us, we have put the Holy Spirit on mute. And I think it's time that we unmute the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit in us, in us, wants to have a dynamic, life-giving, relationship with us. Let me show you some amazing verses. The first is John chapter three, verse five. Nicodemus is talking and Jesus says to him, you must be born again. And he says, well, how can I be born again? Do I go back in my mother's womb and come out? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Water speaks of your physical birth. Spirit speaks of your supernatural birth. So you see, my friends, in John chapter 20, the disciples were, were truly born again. And, and when you ask Jesus into your life and you accept Jesus, you are supernaturally born again. There's a supernatural spiritual work and, and you, are, you become regenerated. You become spiritually alive. Paul said to the church in Ephesus, you were once dead to your sins, but now you're alive in Christ. And when you accept Jesus in your life, Holy Spirit takes residence in you and you become spiritually Alive, alive. John chapter 4, 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Worship is a spirit experience. Well, I want to take you now and here's the main part of our teaching today in John chapter 14, John chapter 15 and John chapter 16. It's the Last Supper. In like 12 hours, Jesus is gonna die for the sins of the world, and he's gonna leave the disciples. And he says in the beginning of John 14, after he had washed the disciples' feet, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me, you believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and you know the way. And Thomas says, we don't know the way. And Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. But I wanna take you now to verse 16 of John 14 because the disciples are nervous that they're going to be left alone without Jesus. And he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Jesus is described as an advocate in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. But now Jesus, the advocate, says, I'm going to leave. but I'm going to ask the Father to give you another advocate. And the Greek word is paraclete and it can actually mean a counselor. It can actually mean a helper. It can actually mean a comforter. And then he went to say to help you and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit who now has indwelt you remains in you and wants to comfort you and help you and guide you. The Holy Spirit in you wants to do something amazing. Oh, I pray that you would take that off mute. Because some of you, you need comfort today. Some of you, you need guidance today. Some of you, you need wisdom today. Let, Let the Holy Spirit bring that to you. Look at verse 17. He's called the spirit of truth. Jesus said to his disciples in that last supper, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. They don't see him spiritually. They don't know him personally. But he said, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. Jesus here is referring to what happened in John 20 when the Holy Spirit came into them. Look at verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you The disciples are worried we're going to be left all alone. Jesus is relaxed. Don't worry. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Look at verse 19. Jesus said before long, the world won't see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. I mean, during those 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension, Jesus made resurrection appearances to his disciples. That's why he said, you will see me again. And then he said, because I live, you also will live. He's referring to what happened in John 20 because he was raised to life. They can be raised as spiritual life when they accept him by faith and Holy Spirit comes into them. Look at verse 20, on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. He's referring to what happened. In John chapter 20, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you get saved, you get the Father, you get the Son, you get the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit indwells you. Huh. Look at verse 25, all this I've spoken will still with you. Look at verse 26, but the advocate, there's that Greek word, paraclete, he defines the paraclete now as the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you in all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is an expert in every subject. There's nothing he does not know. And I find myself daily saying, Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, help me. Friends, it's not so tough. Ask the Holy Spirit who's in in you to teach you and to help you. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace, I give you. He's referring to what happened in John 20. He showed up to his disciples and says, peace be with you. And then he imparted supernaturally the Holy Spirit into them. Peace, I leave with you. Peace, my peace, I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. No, 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 I don't give you natural peace. I give you supernatural peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, friends. We don't have to fear during this coronavirus. You don't have to fear with whatever you're walking through. Just like Jesus showed up to the disciples and we've learned today, peace is not the absence of something. Peace is the presence of someone and that someone, Jesus, imparted the Holy Spirit into the disciples and Holy Spirit is in you today. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And we don't have to walk in fear. We can live in faith knowing Holy Spirit is in us. Let's come to chapter 15 verse 26. When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. You see, the Holy Spirit always points everything to Jesus. The Holy Spirit never draws attention to himself. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is an active person in the divine trinity, but always draws attention to Jesus. Look at verse 27. And you also must testify, for you've been with me from the beginning. Remember in John 20, he said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I mean, Jesus here in this last supper, when he's in that room with his disciples is letting them know, you've got to testify about me. You need to get ready. You've got a purpose. You've got a mission. Now let's come to chapter 16, verse seven. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so when Jesus was unpacking this teaching on Holy Spirit, he's talking about, first of all, that in John 20, they would experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. But he's also talking about in Acts chapter 2, they would experience the power of the Holy Spirit on them. I'm pretty convinced here that when I come to verse number 7, Jesus is now talking about what's going to happen in Acts chapter 2. I believe that's the case because after those 40 days of the resurrection appearance, Jesus ascended to the Father. And 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came on the disciples and empowered them for the great work of ministry. And Jesus here is saying, I need to go. And unless I go, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit can't come. So Jesus ascended and then the Holy Spirit Descended. somebody in your home, shout a little amen. Let's come to verse 8, verse 9, 10, and 11. In verse 8, he says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And in verse 9, he says about sin, because people do not believe in me. The first encounter of the Holy Spirit you ever had is the Holy Spirit convicted you that you're a sinner. And you are out of relationship with God and you need Jesus. Thank you, Lord for the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 10. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. This is not talking about Holy Spirit leading us in right living, although the Holy Spirit can sanctify us. Here it's referring to a right relationship as a child of God. You see, when Jesus died and he was raised to life, he's now seated on a throne on the right-hand side of the Father and he is our righteous one, and he has robed us with his righteousness. Hallelujah. He's robed us with his righteousness. We're no longer a slave to sin as we sing, I am a child of God. Holy Spirit breathes assurance in my heart that I am a child of God. I am saved. I am born again. Hallelujah. And then in verse number 11, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. You see, my friends, Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth comes up against the spirit of lie, which is the devil. I'm glad to declare to you when Jesus died, Satan was defeated. He's under my feet, hallelujah. And we don't have to walk in condemnation. We can walk in victory as children of the living God. We don't have to walk in fear of the devil. We can walk in assurance that we've got Jesus. We got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. Jesus was unloading a lot of teaching to his disciples, more than they could bear. In fact, he had more to say about the Holy Spirit Which we read in the Gospel of Luke and we read in Acts leading up to Pentecost Sunday. We'll come to that on another Sunday, but look at verse 13. This is a great verse. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Watch this He will not speak on His own. Holy Spirit never speaks on His own, He will speak only what He hears. The Holy Spirit speaks only what he hears and he at times will tell you what is to come. I've had times in my life that Holy Spirit warned me, prepared me, showed me things that I need to do and things that I shouldn't do. And, and he's, he's put roadblocks in my life and told me, don't do that because he wants to protect me. And then he told me to do certain things because he wanted to bless me. And the more I learn to live and walk in the spirit, I'm learning to discern the voice of Holy Spirit who wants to reveal things to come but he doesn't speak on his own. He only speaks what he hears. Come to verse 14. Jesus said, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. Because it's from me, Jesus said, that he will receive what he will make known to you. So what does the Holy Spirit reveal to you? The Holy Spirit reveals what he gets from Jesus. The Holy Spirit speaks to you what he gets from Jesus. (laughs) I love that. Now come to verse 15. Jesus said, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Here's what goes down. The Father reveals his will to Jesus, and Jesus reveals his will to the Spirit, and the Spirit reveals his will to you. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit functions as a divine trinity, and the will of the Father gets revealed to you through Jesus, through the Spirit. You see, friends, I hope you're getting this today. The Holy Spirit in you doesn't want to be the silent partner. He is your spiritual BFF. And he's got so much he wants to say to you so that you can live a dynamic, life-giving walk in the Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to take you to some final scriptures. Let's go way in our Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Now, let's come down to verse 27. It explains it a little more clear. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. You see, if you're a born-again believer, and people say, you're not anointed, you go up. Huh? I understand there's special times, a special anointing when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But according to 1 John 2, 27, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you are born again, the Holy Spirit is in you and you've got an anointing of God that's in you. He said, you don't need anyone to teach you. Well, that doesn't mean stop listening to the sermons. Doesn't mean stop reading your Bible. It means that the Holy Spirit will quicken the truth of his word to you. There were many false teachers in those days. He said, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Let's go to chapter three, verse 24. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them, and this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We know that he lives in us by the spirit he gave us. And then 1 John 5, 6, and it's the spirit who testifies because the spirit is truth. We're in our final moments before we worship in a song. I wanna share with you some verses from the book of Revelation. And then we're gonna worship in a song and then I'm gonna come back and briefly share point number five. But in Revelation, John is now an elderly man and he's exiled to the island of Patmos. And while he's there, God unpacked him what we call Revelation, the book of Revelation. And God unpacked him all these future events. Let me read to you three verses, Revelation 110. On the Lord's day, I like that. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. John is now an elderly man and he had learned to walk and live in the spirit. And I, friends, you're never too old to hear the spirit of God. Hear me, friends, just like God was speaking to John on the island of Patmos, God by his Spirit wants to speak to you. Revelation 2 7, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. All those seven letters to the seven churches, it always says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Again, church, it's not your physical ear, it's your spiritual ear. I hope you're hearing me today, the Holy Spirit who's in you. The moment you got saved, you experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Don't let the Spirit that's in you be on mute. He wants to comfort you, guide you, help you, teach you, help you to walk in blessing. He wants to lead you every day of your life. I'm learning to walk and I'm learning to live in the spirit. I'm learning that every person I meet is a divine appointment. I'm learning that God wants the spirit who's in me to guide me and lead me and comfort me and counsel me every day of my life. And I want that for you. Let's take them off mute. Don't let them be the silent partner. Well, friends, I want to take you to one final verse before I share it. In Genesis chapter one, we learned that the spirit of God is introduced in the first verse. The spirit was hovering over the earth. By the time you get to the last book of the Bible and into the last chapter, it says the spirit and the bride, this is Revelation 22, 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty Come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water of life. Hallelujah. You see, church today, I want you to get it in your spirit. That the day you asked Jesus Christ into your life and you accepted the finished work of redemption, and you by faith accepted by faith that God the Father raised Jesus to life and he died for your sins, when you believe by faith that something supernatural happened breathed into your spirit being is the spirit. Just like Jesus in John 20, when he breathed into the spirit, the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that day you got saved. You experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Wherever you go, Holy Spirit goes. He wants to speak to you. He wants to counsel you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants there to be an active dynamic relationship. So I want you now to worship in this song. Stand on your feet. Lift your hands. Let's worship and have an encounter with Holy Spirit. This is the air I breathe. This is spread Wasn't that a powerful song? Well, friends, we've just looked at the fourth key of understanding the Holy Spirit in you. And we've just looked at in John chapter 20, where the disciples in John 20, when Jesus breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, that was the moment that they experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. In Acts chapter two, they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit on them. In John chapter 20, the Holy Spirit indwelt them. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit empowered them. In John chapter 20, the Holy Spirit took residence in their life. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit took precedence in their life. You see, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life and you accept him by faith and you look back and you accept by faith the finished work of redemption, you get saved. And there's that supernatural work where the Holy Spirit comes into you and you're ready for heaven. When you've accepted Christ in your life, you're ready for heaven. The Holy Spirit is in you. But in Acts chapter two, when the Spirit comes upon you, he empowers you. It helps you to be a greater witness to help others be ready for heaven. In Genesis chapter two, we learn that God breathed physical life into mankind. Then John chapter 20 God breathes spiritual life into man. Well, the fifth and the final key to understanding the Holy Spirit in you is found in verse number 23. Write this in your notes. Exclaim his proclamation. Now, verse number 23, it's a difficult verse. It's a misunderstood verse. Let me read it to you. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. It almost sounds like we're the ones that forgive people's sins. We're the ones that grant forgiveness. Well, we know that's not true because Mark chapter 2 verse 7 teaches us that no one forgives sins but God. I think if you go back to the original Greek and you understand that this was written in what's called the perfect tense, it would probably better read like this. When you forgive someone's sins, their sins have already been forgiven. When you don't forgive someone's sins, their sins have already not been forgiven. It's still a little sloppy, but this is what it really means. It means we're not the provider of forgiveness. No, we're not the provider. We're the proclaimer of forgiveness. And when we proclaim the forgiveness of God to people, they are in the place to receive his forgiveness and accept him by faith. And so as you're watching today in these final moments, I have a question for every single one of you today, and it's this. Have you received the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ? If today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're ready for heaven? Are you positive that you're going to heaven? You see, my friends, every single one of us will live for eternity. We're not on earth forever. We will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. Do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Was there a time? Was there a place? Was there a moment that you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life and you accepted him by faith and you experienced that new birth and you became born again by the Spirit? I believe there's many of you watching right now that you cannot answer that question with a definite yes. I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I don't want you to hope you're going to heaven. I want you to know that you're ready for heaven. So if you're watching today and you'd like to make your peace with God through Jesus Christ, I have no greater joy than to lead you in a prayer. Jesus can change your life. One encounter with Jesus can change your life forever. So if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, and today you would like to, or maybe you did it one time and you've turned your back on God and today you want to settle it. I want to lead you in this prayer. And if you would like to make your peace with God through Jesus Christ, I invite you to join me in this prayer today. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I receive you into my life. I make my peace with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe there's many of you right now that you prayed that prayer. You've made the best decision of your life. Heaven is rejoicing, and so are we. You will see on some of the platforms where we are presenting this service today that there might be a place where you can indicate that you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life. I want you to indicate that right now. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, reach out to us and we will reach back to you and we will help you in your new faith journey. If you live in the Ottawa area and you don't attend a life-giving Bible-believing church, we'd be honored if you joined us in the journey. And when we get back on site, come check us out at nine or 11 o'clock And until then, just keep on joining us online. But if you live not in Ottawa, maybe somewhere else in Canada, somewhere else around the world, and you don't attend a life-giving Bible-believing church, I wanna invite you to reach out to us and we will help you find a life-giving Bible-believing church. Well, I wanna thank you for joining in this sermon today. The Holy Spirit in you, I trust these five keys. This teaching today has been helpful to you. I want to encourage you to join us next Sunday. I can't wait to share part two, the Holy Spirit through you. And then in the last sermon on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit on you. So join us next week. I believe you'll be encouraged by it. Well, Evelyn and I love you so much. We miss you dearly and we pray God's blessing upon you. God bless you.